Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marsley. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marsley, and thank you so much for joining us again. It's the final week of Blindness Awareness Month, and today I've got three co-hosts joining me to talk about something that I think you'll find very interesting. So first I'm going to introduce the co-hosts and then we'll get into the topic. So I want to welcome back to the podcast, Clement, Nika, and Colby. Welcome back. Hello. It's good to be back. It's Blindness Awareness Month, and when we started to sort of look into why or what is Blindness Awareness Month, we realized that there was a lot of information about eye health, basically taking care of your vision so you don't end up visually impaired, uh, and really more public education about saving vision rather than information about how people who are blind live and adapt. And I thought that was kind of interesting, and I kind of wanted to talk with some people about what they thought about that. What do you guys think about this a month to educate people to take care of their vision so they don't end up like us. I actually didn't know that was the point of Blindness Awareness Month, but I think it's a weird kind of balance because on one hand, I do believe in health and taking care of your body. And I don't think people should be doing things maybe on purposely to make their vision worse. But on the other hand, I don't necessarily think that blindness is this kind of horrible thing that happens. And I don't think it's kind of something that people should necessarily be scared of either. It seemed to be the, yeah, it kind of kept coming back to that. And there was definitely not as much written about just, you know, how do people who are blind do things and uh, yeah. What are some of the assistive tools that we use or anything like that? So I think we've tried to reclaim it on the Limitless podcast and and educate people about some of the, when I stopped to think about what do I want people to be more aware of about blindness, that's kind of how we came up with some of the topics that we've been talking about this month. But if you actually Google Blindness Awareness Month, you'll find, yeah, it's quite different than what we've been talking about here. Um, yeah, I mean, I I just... I, I'm not that doesn't surprise me. Um, people will, I, I think, try and uh, talk about preventative measures to prevent anything that they think is something negative, of course, which is natural because that's what we want to do. We want to avoid everything negative uh, possible or at least everything we perceive as negative. And I think the problem is that um, <clears throat> blindness or, you know, any any sort of disability is always seen as something lesser uh so it's like if you can avoid it don't go near it um and so i mean it, it's not really entirely surprising to me uh that blindness blindness awareness month in the larger kind of web sphere is about that it's it saddens me a little bit because i do think there's for sure like you said a lot more 
that could be talked about, um, but isn't often discussed outside of kind of blindness circles and blindness publications. So kind of related to this, there are organizations that are dedicated to researching a cure for blindness. And uh, I thought it would be interesting for us to talk about how we feel about that. And um, I understand, obviously, if there's a if there are some eye diseases that might may be curable, that there are probably a lot of people that would really appreciate that. Um, for me personally, I've attended a fundraiser for one of these organizations and the way they portray blindness to be this terrible, scary thing was really difficult for me to be in the room hearing that. Uh, as a person who was blind and I felt like they I get it like you're painting a, a very negative picture of blindness so that people will donate to try to fix it but if you are blind that doesn't feel very good so wondered what you guys thought or if you've ever had a similar experience I agree because on one hand I think the intent is there with these organizations to help and as someone who's really interested in science, I do like it when new research comes out about medical procedures. I like researching medical procedures, but it's also really hard, especially since I was born visually impaired. I just don't know any different. And I've said this before on other podcasts. And whenever people talk about how I'm like missing out or if people ask if I want to be cited or why don't I want to be cited so much? It's kind of hard to answer that because it's, I'm just so used to it and I don't really view it as a big deal. And it does kind of sadden me that it, there's almost this push to find a cure for everyone. Yeah, and I would, I would agree with that more or less entirely. And I would just add probably, you know, for, for a lot of people who, and yeah, you know, Nika's right. This is something that I think will be answered differently depending on who you ask. So somebody who lost their vision, say, in their teens, uh, through a traumatic accident or something, might very well want it back. Um, whereas someone <clears throat> who was born with low vision or none at all, like myself or Nika, might say, well, I mean, I don't really know any different, and this is my life, and it's a good life, so I don't really see why I need one so yeah i mean i agree with nika for sure there there is a push to say let's find a way to fix this problem um and you know i'll, I'll get into this a little later but i don't think that's i don't think that's always the best course of action well maybe we don't view it as a problem that needs mm -hmm. fixing right well yeah. exactly and that's that's what i was that's that's kind of what i was digging at was that it's not a problem per se, but I think especially for people who become blind later in life, as a teenager or as an adult, uh, it can be viewed as a problem. So the question then is, and I think, I, think per, I think perception has a lot to do with that, and I think the way that organizations and society in general views blindness is a, has a big part to do with it. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree um, with both Nika and Clement. Colby, do you mind reminding our listeners about your situation? Because you did lose most of your vision, not, you know, in, still in childhood, I guess, but not 
I think that's kind of relevant to the conversation. Yeah. So, um, so when I was young, I, up until I was about 13, um, I could see pretty good. And, um, so I had low vision, but I could still see a lot. Um, I could read print and see, um, pretty, pretty good and a lot of details. And so I, when I did lose my vision, um, it was quite sudden and, um, probably if you asked me if I would cure my vision, um, back then, uh, about maybe eight or nine years ago, um, I would probably say that if there was something that could be done, I would, I would possibly want that. Mm -hmm. Um, but now, um, that I've been blind for quite a while, it is second nature to me. And, um, it's, I don't see it as a problem or as something that needs to be fixed. I mean, I totally understand everybody's an individual and every experience is different. And, you know, absolutely. I'm sure there's lots of blind people who would want a cure if there was one and appreciate the research that these organizations are doing. My issue is not at all that they're doing the research. It's just the way that they're, they're kind of, um, describing mm -hmm. blindness, right? Mm -hmm. It's the way they talk about blindness. Like it's this just devastating. It, it's, it's portrayed as a tragedy, right? Yes. A yeah. huge tragedy. Like there's no point in living if you're blind is almost the way it's presented. And that's, you know, for some of us, there will never be a cure and this is our reality and it's not that bad. <laughs> well, and, and that's, and that, yeah, exactly. And I would say, you know, that's, it's borderline offensive. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, as someone who's congenitally blind, who was born blind, to be told that the way I live is terrible and sad and pitiful, um, mm -hmm. you know, that would be like someone saying, oh, you're from this culture. Well, you must be less educated or like all sorts, you know, all the regular kind of assumptions that we balk at for everything else. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it, I kind of feel the same way, like when someone says that to me. I got to go, well, how do you know? <laughs> you know, there's not, you know, especially people who will say that to me, you know, as I'm walking down the street and I'll go, well, I think you need to spend more time with me before you can really make a judgment call on how bad or terrible my life is. Um, I wonder if kind of a lot of the pushing stems from how I did a lot of research just into um, medical schools and medicine in general. And I wonder how much of it has to do with kind of um, maybe some doctors or health professionals not being able to kind of cope with the fact that there isn't a cure for certain conditions. Certainly, yeah, it's it's lumped in with this whole medical model of disability, right? That there's something wrong that needs to be fixed and the ultimate goal is to fix it. But <laughs> I often say to people, the thing that's hard about being blind is not that I can't see. It's just the way that I'm that I can be treated in the world. It's yeah. the assumptions that people make about yeah. me, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what makes me feel like I have a disability. The fact that I can't see doesn't really factor in because yep. I figured out a way to do pretty yep. much everything yep. that anyone else does. I just uh -huh. do it differently. Yeah, and you know, it's 
I, I, I say this a lot, say something similar. I say, I'm not the one who's uncomfortable with my blindness. People <laughs> around me are the ones who are uncomfortable with my blindness. You know, there's a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's not like a lot of us are 24-7 thinking about, oh, I'm blind, I'm blind, I can't see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's often when, yeah, when we're out in the world and someone else says something that it, it's kind of a reminder. Because you're just automatically going through the motions. You're just doing your thing. You're not thinking, oh, I'm getting my white cane now because I'm blind. You just kind of grab it and go, right? (laughs) The way a sighted person jumps in their car. (laughs) They don't think, oh, I'm sighted. I'm getting in my car now. Well, maybe they do. I don't know. But (laughs) I'm sure we've all had the experience of um, sighted people just assuming, well, you've kind of mentioned it already, actually, people who've just assumed that you would want to be cured if you could, or that it's really hard being blind. How do you respond to those people? Or how do you feel about that? I think there's something to be said about the difference between having my vision cured and having my vision improved. And this is something I've actually changed my opinion on in the last couple months because when I went to my ophthalmology appointment with my cornea surgery specialist for my first appointment she kind of assumed that I wanted the surgery before even asking me how I felt and I didn't really say anything because for one I don't really like confrontation and I was going to go through with the surgery anyway But I actually don't want to cure my vision because to me, curing my visual impairment would mean being able to see 2020 or close to 2020. And for me, when someone asks, why would you just want to improve it and not cure it? There's kind of three different reasons that come to mind. For one, just practically, I think going from a severe visual impairment to being almost completely sighted is just such a sensory overload and I think it could create more problems in the long run um the second would be I think a lot of just who I am and just how I deal with things and persevere through things has to do with my disability and I don't really want to take that away because it's just something that I view as part of me and I've made part of my identity And the third reason is I still want to be involved. I still want to be involved in blind beginnings. I still want to be able to help people. And I know I can do that as a sighted volunteer, but I just feel like I want to have this lived experience because I think I kind of hope that if the things I went through and all the difficult things I had to deal with, I like to think that it's for a reason and it's to help people younger than me who haven't gone through this yet. I can relate. I think um, it would be a really difficult decision for me to make. It's not a simple yes or no. Uh, so when people assume, of course, you would want to fix your vision, it, I, I actually don't know. I don't know what I would do. I, I kind of don't want the choice <laughs> because it seems like there are definitely things, you know, I, I feel like Um, being a mom and being able to see my child and watch him score a goal or whatever he's going to do in his life. You know, that's, it's, I'm sad that I might miss out on the visual experience of that. Um, But that's kind of the only reason that's like the rest of it. 
there's so many reasons that I wouldn't want to. I actually really love that I can't see what people look like. That I don't. Me too. Yeah, right? Like, I don't. And, and yeah. you never have to see something you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that some of the, yeah, gory movies or, or whatever, some of the ugliness in the world, maybe. But I don't, I don't, I don't judge people based on their appearance. Yeah. And I really, truly believe that I have more meaningful relationships because of that I'm not choosing to be your friend because of the clothes you wear or the way you look I genuinely like you for the person you are and I I'm sure there are sighted people who are that way as well but I feel like it must be really distracting getting caught up on what people look like so but it's also part of my identity like you said Nika like it's it's made me the person I am I have had to persevere in life. Things have not come easily to me. I've had to learn to work hard, but when those successes come, boy, do they ever mean a lot because you know how hard you had to work to get them. And I don't know, I feel like the, the lows can be low, but the highs can be high. And, and it's just who I am. I, I think, um, I mean, first of all, I completely dig what Sean said about uh, not judging based on appearance, because that's one of the things I tout most often about being totally blind. Um, I won't even say I don't. I can't. Right. Uh, I literally mm-hmm. cannot because you can you can ha- you can not do it, but you can you'll always have a choice. And for if you can see, it's reflexive. It's not a, it's not something you choose to do. It's just something you look at them and you go, oh, maybe. You, you, and some part of you, at least for most uh, many sighted people, that's usually what happens. It's not something that you consciously try and do, but your brain automatically processes what you see and interprets it. And so I agree with Sean completely that it make it makes for a much more meaningful conversation. Um, because I literally have no idea what kind of person somebody is until I start talking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no room for assumptions. And you know, I, I, I this, this, I, this makes people go, wow, all the time when I say this, but this applies to dating as well. Like people will say, Oh, how, how do you know if you're talking to a pretty girl when you're dating? I'm like, I don't care. I, I don't feel like I feel like I'm not really getting the best end of the deal if all I'm focusing on is, ooh, is she good looking or not? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that and, and the fact that I physically cannot make that part of my criteria. I mean, I guess you can if you really want to. You know, you can take a photo together and then have a friend say, oh, look, she's hot or she's not. Uh, you know, if, or if you're, you know, whoever your partner, hap- uh, you're the person you're interested in in happens to be but for me I just simply choose not to think about that part of the equation um, as anything more than secondary and you know when we talk about assumptions of course uh, and I'm speaking as a Christian uh, all of us have this experience where you know we'll walk down the street and someone will stop you and say hey can we pray can I pray for you or uh, for me uh, I it's it's not out of the normal uh, to, (laughs) to go to a new church and have at least one person do that. And it's, it's exhausting. Uh, as a Christian, and I'm saying that, it's very exhausting having to deal with that every single time I walk into somewhere new. And, you know, I, I think the intentions are good. I think there is, again, this desire to see something fixed uh, that is perceived to be wrong, uh, which is funny because, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase this really quickly, uh, my one of my favorite stories 
uh, in the Bible. It, it, my favorite episodes is John chapter 9, which is not surprisingly about a blind man. That's why it's my favorite. No, it's actually <laughs> not. But, you know, the I disciples... Don't know this story. Tell us well, the story. So the disciples come up to Jesus, and they're, as they're going up to Jerusalem, they come across a blind guy on the street uh, begging. And the disciples ask, to, ask Jesus... Uh, they basically say, hey, who sit? Like, did this guy sin or did his parents sin? Like, why was he born this way? Mm. And Jesus goes, you're missing the point. Neither this man, and this is a direct quote, he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but he was born this way so that God's glory might be revealed in his life. And in that blind person's case, it was a miracle because in the time of the Jewish culture, a miracle is what would have spoken uh, the most to them about who Jesus was and, you know, all, and that gets into more theological stuff. But what that looks like now as a modern application is uh, for God's glory to be revealed in the life of a blind person doesn't have to look like a miracle. It doesn't have to look like their sight being fixed. It can look like them living just like everybody else. Um, it can look like them doing amazing things like <clears throat> starting blindness organizations. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> And, you know, lots, lots of other things. And then the, it, the, the whole st – I love this story, actually, because this is where uh, I, I have a very sarcastic sense of humor. And there's a lot of sarcasm kind of baked into this story. Um, but the gist of it is that Jesus tells the religious leaders who don't believe this blind guy when, they tell him it's, when he tells them it's a miracle. Uh, he says, because Jesus said he came into the world so that people who are blind would be able to see – and people who believed they could see would be revealed as blind. So in essentials, Jesus is saying, when you make assumptions, that puts, that's, a, that's, a will, that's an example of a blindfold that you are putting over your own eyes in order to see other things. So, you know, I, I, would, I would encourage, if there's any Christians listening to this, before you pray for somebody for their blindness, if you want to pray for them, Ask them what they can pray for. Because I can tell you there's a hundred other things I would rather you pray for other than my blindness. Uh, whether it's my job search or my health or my family life or my church, you know, whatever. There's so many other things that I would appreciate prayers for. And, you know, assumptions may be good out of, maybe born out of good intentions. But I think one of the reasons that there are so few, uh, at least in my knowledge, there are, there are so few, uh, fewer blind young adults in church uh, is because um, of assumptions that tend to be more alienating than helpful. Can we just sort of break down for people what it feels like, what message goes through your mind when somebody says they'll pray for me? Because for me, it what you're saying when you say I'll pray for you is you are broken you must, you're not, you're not complete. You're not, you're not okay the way you are. And I will pray that someday you will be, which isn't really a great message. Well, and, and yeah, and that's, that's what some people will say directly. Uh, you know, I, I pray that one day you'll be able to see and I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, but you're, you're right. It's not the best thing to be told, especially if you've never met the person or if you're, if it's your first day in a new church the last thing you want to hear is that there's something wrong with you that I don't like, so I'm going to pray for it to be fixed. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a difference between curing and healing. Uh, I, we, you know, I don't have, we don't have time to get into that, but um, there is there is a big 
big difference. And so I think when when someone says, you know, can I can I pray? Well, you know, or if someone says, I will pray for your eyes, I'll go, well, tell you what, why don't you pray for this instead? I think I would appreciate that a whole lot more. For me, I kind of feel like I go through like, I don't know, I call it the five stages of, I don't even know, but basically I start out just kind of confused. Then I just feel awkward because I've been in situations where I've been like pulled on people's laps before and I'm like a heavier person. So <laughs> then there's like, then there's like the self-consciousness coming in about like my body positivity and all that <laughs> stuff. It's like this whole roller coaster. And then there's like the anger comes in. And of course, I don't let the anger show, but I kind of keep it inside. Then I leave and then I just feel sad and empty after. So it's, I don't know. It's just a weird kind of experience. I don't think I've actually had anyone say that to me. Yeah, I recently had someone say that to me. And my response was basically, I really appreciate it. But I much rather you pray that I get a 64% in my chemistry class. (laughs) Because I could use all the prayers I could get for that. But I don't need it for my vision. Okay, so let's just let's get real here. So would you would you jump at a cure? Would you cure your blindness if you could, Clement? No, um, I, I can say that very confidently. And I've, I've said that since probably when I was 14 or 15, uh, because uh, and Nika mentioned this earlier before. And it's a great point that a lot of people don't think about. If I was to be cured tomorrow, I would experience sensory overload. Uh, this studies have shown this when people receive sight or you know have have a little bit of sight restored even uh, not even fully but a little bit there are sensory issues because your brain isn't used to processing visual images through your optic nerve Um, you may be someone who's very good at mental mapping or you know visualizing things in your brain but from your eyes to your brain is a whole different different thing. And I've heard of people who have continuous headaches, people who just can't process everything that they're taking in at once. So that's, that's one reason I wouldn't do it. And, you know, um, just because, yeah, I mean, Nika has kind of said it already, but I'll, I'll echo it, is that my, my blindness has, in a lot of ways, shaped who I am. It doesn't define who I am, but it's definitely been a big part of my life and has taught me a lot of life lessons um, and a lot of practical skills, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to give it up. Um, and you know what? There are just, selfishly speaking, there are benefits, like not having to worry about lights when I walk into a room and not having to turn them on. Uh, <laughs> everyone else gets to deal with that problem, not me. So, you know, like, there's, there's lots of reasons. Um, but I know I get, you know, we get pushback when we say this, right? Yeah. Um, I, had, I had one family member tell me I was being selfish oh, um, wow. because of... You know, he said uh, he said that it's not fair to the people who take care of you for wow. you to say you don't want to be cured. Uh, and that's that's always stuck with me. Unfortunately, I've never been able to get rid of it. But my answer, even having heard that is still no. And I don't I don't really see any circumstance. I don't but that's, see that's assuming that you need to be taken care yes, of. I feel yes, like exactly. I need to I need to address that because yeah. I've lived alone completely, you know, not that no one ever helps me do things, but everyone needs help sometimes sighted or blind or whatever. Right. Exactly. And we may need help with different things, 
but everyone needs help regardless of what it is right yeah um wow so yeah uh, it uh, yeah it, it's it's been said and uh it, it's crazy but you know i it's also just the fact that am i curious to see certain things mm-hmm. sure Right. I, I would I would love to see certain things. I'd love to view. I'd love to go look at you know walk down Kitsilano Beach and stare at the stars. I'd love to you know go to observatories or see flowers or, you know, see you know watch watch a martial arts movie and actually be able to tell what's going on visually, but is not worth an entire uh, curing my blindness and entirely rerouting my life. Uh, turning everything topsy-turvy and upside down in order to get those few little perks that I really don't need. Yeah. About you, Colby, would you, would you cure your blindness if you could? No, I, I wouldn't. Um, so I would say that my reasons for not wanting to cure it, firstly, it's, I don't think, um, my blindness really defines who I am, but it's definitely a part of who I am, and it's made me the person that I am today. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today or who I am if I hadn't lost my vision and I hadn't had to go through everything that I have. Yeah, like I've I've had to overcome a lot, and I think that's just made me like a stronger person. And I don't think I could trade that. Also, I would have to agree that I think if I could see again, like I've I've thought about it a little bit. And I think that there's so much stuff that I would, in a way, I would be able to do. But at the same time, I don't think I would want to do it. Like being able to like see everything, it would be so much to see. And then, like, again, I would have to be able to, like, write and read and draw and all these things that I don't do, which I'm fine with not doing. I just have, like, a different way of doing it. That's really interesting because you had low vision before and so did I. So I feel like when you're saying read and write and draw because you're, you're thinking of it through your visually impaired lens of like it was a struggle to read and it was a struggle to write and drawing oh my (laughs) gosh what a disaster I still draw like the things like you that a six-year-old draws (laughs) that's all I can draw (laughs) speaking of things that we don't want to do can I also just say how thankful I am to never having been lectured by my family about getting a driver's license All of my cousins got that lecture. My sister got that lecture. Any of them who doesn't get one is always harped upon. And I'm going, I don't have this problem. I know. I have no desire to drive. Yeah. It's terrifying, awesome. especially yeah. in the city. Uh, oh my I, I, would, yeah. I, would love to, I would love to drive, but the fact that they, that's the one thing they cannot nag me about is awesome. <laughs> what about you, Nika? I am actually currently on the path of not curing my blindness, but um, improving my vision. Uh, Right now, we're thinking corneal transplant, but by the time I have my next appointment, new medical data and clinical trials will be coming out on Peter's anomaly. And my reasons for doing this kind of, 
I don't really have any particular strong reason. I mean, one is I am in a science-based program and it is absolutely possible to do um, a science degree if you are blind or visually impaired. I know someone who is completely blind who has her bachelor's of science. And for me, I actually talked about this before in our low vision episode, but I prefer doing math and science visually. And I prefer to look at diagrams rather than have tactile diagrams. So I feel like if I can slightly improve my degree of vision to help me out in my science program, then that would be really helpful. Another thing is I'm also doing it for exploratory reasons to learn more about my vision and how it works. And I've already learned a lot. For example, it turns out that one of my eyes doesn't have a lens and the other one does. And as someone who, again, is so passionate about medicine and science, I just think it's fascinating. Um, another reason is partially cosmetic because I have scar tissue over my eyes and I think there's totally nothing wrong with looking different um but it's something that I kind of always wondered like what color are my irises do I have brown eyes do I have green eyes do I have hazel eyes it's just something that I've always been very curious about and if there's anything I've learned through this pandemic it's kind of not to overthink things I feel like I put a lot of things off and during this over year and a half I've tried so many new things and just kind of did a lot of I don't know like a leap of faith I guess so to speak so I'm just going to go for it and not hold myself back because I feel like this is something I've been thinking about for a few years now and it's kind of something that might former ophthalmologist said wouldn't be possible then said might be possible and I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. It's funny when I was first diagnosed when I was five and that was a long 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 time ago my parents were told don't expect a cure in her lifetime and I actually think that that was good that they were told that and that mm. I was told that when I was mm. told that my vision was deteriorating mm. because I never, I never thought about it. It just mm. wasn't an option. Right. Mm. I had no choice, but to yeah. just move forward yeah. and accept the situation. And cause I think when you're, you know, the, I know there are people that are waiting, waiting mm. for a cure. Life will be better when I can see better or mm. whatever. And I didn't, I never, I've never wasted any time waiting, let's just say. Sometimes it's just good to have that answer straight up front, right? Because like mm -hmm. you said, then you don't spend time wondering or hoping or trying to, you know, chase after something that isn't actually there. Yeah. Now, if I do happen to be presented with something now, it'll be, you know, it's quite a shock and, and something mm -hmm. I haven't really thought about because I just thought it would never be an option. But... I mean, I really do believe I'm blind so that I can help make the world better for people who mm. are blind. So mm -hmm. how could I do that if I wasn't blind? Mm -hmm. Like it would just blow yeah. all my plans, my whole yeah. purpose for being really, I, tr I truly feel like this, that's the reason I'm here on this earth. And I'm so grateful to have that purpose and meaning in my life. Like it's, it has helped me so much. So 
without it like yeah like you Clem, i'm curious i'm curious about who would i be if i was sighted yeah like yeah. what kind of person yeah. what, what kind of person Absolutely. what would i do for a job like if i had truly any option what would i want to do i don't even know because i'm so i'm i love what i do yeah. like I, I it's not like oh i accepted this because i had to take the scraps this is actually i'm doing what i want to be doing so yeah for sure and I, I would i would agree and like there's some things that you just wouldn't be able to do like i don't think i would so i, I work with international students as all you guys all know and I wouldn't be able to empathize with the loneliness and the not fitting in with the society around you thing if it wasn't for being blind. Mm. Uh, there aren't a lot of people who can listen to an international student say, look, I just got to Canada last week. I feel lost. I don't know anybody. I don't speak English. I don't know how the culture works. I don't know how any of the systems work. None, you know, I don't understand half the stuff I read. I don't have any friends. Everyone else around me is different. Everybody else around me is ahead of me. And I'll go, hey, look, I get it. I really, I really do because that's not, that's something that I also experience on a daily basis, you know? And so there's a lot of things that I would say, yeah, for sure. Like Sean said, like, I don't, I don't know who I'd be if I was sighted and, you know, and I don't think I would have this ability to do that if I had been born sighted or even if I was cured and you know kind of somewhere down the line I forgot what that experience was like because that's also possible mm -hmm. uh, one of the things we try and do with trauma or negative experience is to forget about it and you know I think it's very plausible to say that once I have my sight back I would never look back at my blindness or I would try and forget about it or just try and not you know I don't think I would keep any of the life lessons because I'd be too busy trying to manage and like relearn literally how to do everything again. Well, you know, the other thing, there wouldn't be any uh, acknowledgement of the struggle Absolutely. because everybody would look at you as, well, you're sighted now. What, what are you complaining about? Yeah, like, exactly. why aren't you just on exactly. top of the world? And there isn't <laughs> right. And that's exactly the thing is nobody. And that's, I think one reason People should never, pe one reason people need to think about what it really means to have sight restored. Is it going to be, it's it's not a, it's not a, oh, it's dark, turn on the lights and everything is better. It's the feeling you get after going into a dark space, coming out, the light hits you, hits you in the eyes and you go, ow, that hurts. Mm -hmm. Except this light lasts longer and it'll take you much longer to adjust than a few seconds. You know, the other thing that I think I've gained because of being blind is just the amazing people that I have met and yeah, been the communities. a part of. Yeah, like yeah. being part of the blind community and all the amazing, like blindness does not discriminate. It Absolutely. comes to, yeah. it can come to anybody any race, any culture, any uh, socioeconomic status, any, any, everything, right? Like, and so I get a world full of diversity and it's beautiful to be, to be part of that and to connect with people around, like people that I never would have ever met, right? Just because blindness touched both of our families. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or people who you met and regretted meeting like me. But, you know, that's 
<laughs> I do not regret meeting you. <laughs> I think, um, Nika, what you said about you don't necessarily want to be cured, but improving your vision. When I think about the temptation, it, it is always just sort of like, if I could see like I could see when I was a kid, <laughs> which was still really not great. But, you know, being able to like see somebody's face again in my in the blurry way that I saw it or I don't know, something like that, like the line of the crosswalk, which I can't seem to see anymore. But that was kind of helpful crossing the street. So just like a little bit, just a little bit better, a little yeah, bit more like, just like it was. Enough. <laughs> I kind of, I, yeah, it's sort of like turning up the the volume just a tad, right? Like doesn't need to be perfect. <laughs> well, I hope that this has helped to sort of reclaim blindness awareness month. Um, it's not so much about, I mean, sure. Take care of your vision. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to, you know, needlessly lose vision because of, of staring at the sun or not wearing your sunglasses or all those things, which I, are important. No, just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But I hope that through the episodes over the last four weeks, you have learned something about blindness, about how people who are blind feel, live, adapt. And um, I hope you, that you will continue your, your learning as well. And I want to thank mm -hmm. the three of you for being with me today for this very interesting and maybe slightly controversial conversation. Thanks for being here. No, it's such it's so great to be here, and I think I think this is this was a great topic to wrap up on. I think this is something that a lot of people wonder, uh, but are too shy to ask. So I hope this kind of gives you a glimpse into what some of us um, think in terms of this question. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to know that I firmly believe that there is no right or wrong answer to this, and I think it's completely personal choice. And I think it's interesting how. We have different perspectives and who knows, maybe in another episode, my surgery might have gone well or it might have gone south and I might have lost my vision, but that's also okay. Well, that will make for some interesting conversations no matter what happens. I yeah, feel like. <laughs> I mean, I already, I mean, just thinking about it, like two people in this zoom room have lost their vision and they're completely successful women and even jill who was on previous podcast episodes i already got her blessing to call her at three in the morning if i ever need to vent or because i'm having some trouble adjusting so it's mm -hmm. going to be great either way i have a support system and i'm really really grateful for that yeah, and I think it is, you know, if for all those people who are blind who are really hoping for a cure, like that, please do not take anything that we've said as offensive in any way. Mm -hmm. This is just our opinion and mm -hmm. we are individuals. And I think if there's one thing I want people to understand about blindness, it is that every single one of us is different. Yes. Every single one of us has a different experience, opinion. Um, belief structure around our blindness so this is just us and how we feel and that doesn't necessarily represent the person who's blind in your life or you yourself so yeah you've been listening to limitless the blind beginnings podcast if you have a question a comment a future topic request please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca 
please share our podcast with a friend, subscribe, and continue to join us every week. See you next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca. And also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.